Welcome to the All IVF Ever Wanted podcast with Gareth and Emma. That's me. <laughs> documenting our next and possibly final round of IVF. Um, this process will be keeping me sane and probably driving Gareth a little bit crazy. <laughs> um, so we hope that this does also help you guys as well. So enjoy the episode. Okay, we're back for an update, which we haven't done in a while because everything in our life has just gone a bit mad, but um, we're going to do it in two episodes. So the episode today, um, if you can hear the cat in the background, it's because our cat's just being crazy at the minute. <laughs> I don't know what she's doing. But anyway, so if you hear a random cat meow, we can't keep stopping for her because she won't stop. So... Maud's joining us on this episode, basically. I tried locking her in the bedroom. <laughs> she didn't like that. So, yeah, so you might get a uh, background chorus from one of our cats during this. Um, so, anyway, but we're going to do it in two episodes. So, this episode, we're actually going to cover what we didn't cover about our IVF cycle, the last part, which was the genetic, the PGTA results of the embryos. And I think I'm going to laugh every time she meows. Anyway, and um, also the prep that we had lined up for the frozen embryo transfer. And as most of you know, if you follow me on social media, then you'll know that we have had a spontaneous positive pregnancy result on the very next ovulation in February um, after our IVF collection. So we are not going forward with the frozen embryo transfer obviously but we are not going to be talking about um we're not going forward with it yet anyway no but we're not going to be talking about the spontaneous pregnancy in this episode so just in case anyone's listening and they're not in the headspace so that you don't need to worry about that we are going to be talking about genetic results frozen embryo transfer prep should we have done it just because I feel like I did quite a lot of research into that and I'd like to share that with you because I know a lot of you guys are doing frozen embryo transfer so this information may still be helpful for you and then it's the next episode where we're going to talk about our own personal update in our bonkers little journey to parenthood so just so you're fully informed about what is going to be spoken about and covered in each episode so you can decide which episode is better for you to listen to or not listen to um, as you know I always advocate for doing what's best for you putting your heart first so just listen to whatever you want to listen to and leave the rest so on that note gareth <laughs> um uh, our last ivf cycle the best ivf cycle we've ever had yeah got two embryos so just guys maud's just jumped up on the table we're putting on the, on the floor <laughs> she's she's being like the she biggest, wants to get involved she's being the biggest person today ever um our best cycle ever. We've got two blastocyst embryos. That's the only time we've got an embryo. It's the only time embryo, we've yeah. got a blastocyst embryo, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And we've got two. And they both got sent off for genetic testing. Now, the second embryo, the first embryo... Was perfect by textbook. Yeah, it? behaved perfectly in the lab, divided perfectly was graded really well and yeah was was expected to be the embryo 
Then the second embryo that was not expected to, that we weren't expecting on day five, they said, you've, you've got one basically. Yeah. And then out of nowhere, the little, you know, the lagger behind her <laughs> caught up and suddenly became a blastocyst embryo overnight and biopsied very easily without any real problems and got sent off. So we had two. Yeah. I mean, the embryologist was shocked, wasn't she? Sure. As we were here. Mm-hmm. And, um, good surprise. Good surprise. And then we waited. And we waited for about 10 days. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> because, I don't know, for me, I find telephone calls quite pressured to receive information because I can't just feel and be how I want to feel. You've got someone else on the other end of the phone to perhaps worry about or maybe mind how you react so I now ask for results to come to me by email so that we've got time to digest the results and I suppose we can do it together as well because I might be out or busy or working when you receive that call yeah um which can be difficult for you if I'm on my own if you're on your own if it's bad Uh, news exactly so I suppose just something that you know we'd like to do together yeah so I suppose you have that safety when you ask for things to be sent via email yeah which you found helpful yeah and then um and then I said you know you send the email and then when we're ready we'll arrange a call back so anyway the email comes in and it's one genetically normal embryo and one abnormal embryo now, the genetically normal embryo was the lagger behind her, the day six, not so good grade embryo mm-hmm. that didn't behave normally in the lab, that didn't divide normally on the first divide, but then divided normally completely after that. So the one that was a surprise. Which was surprising, really, because I thought <laughs> the the outstanding one yeah. that was performing like a textbook embryo should would be the, the one that came back okay. Yeah. And I think I was a bit, because I was a bit confused at that point, because of course it was graded, it had a much lower grading. Uh-huh. And I was wondering what that meant in terms of, will it, you know, it's genetically normal, but with such a lower grade, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember being very confused about that. And But you kind of told me that it's not all about the grading. If it's genetically normal, it's genetically normal. Yeah. Um, so it took me a bit of time to get my head around that. Um And if you want to go back, just guys, if you're listening, there's a great episode that we've recorded where um, Emma, the embryologist from Evewell, actually came on and spoke a lot about grading. And also I've got the founder of Nurture HF, who's also Christiana, who has also um, done an episode with me where we talk quite a lot about embryo grading. So go back and listen to those episodes if you want to kind of refresh on those things. Um, But essentially, embryo grading is done by the human eye. And it's done to do with, um, you know, the the outer part, the inner mass, the bit between, and it's graded, you know, in these ways. Um, But it is done on human eye. It doesn't sort of interrogate the genetic integrity of that embryo. So the only way to know is to do genetic testing. We chose to do PGTA because we don't have any conditions that we know we need to look for, which would be um, PGD. Um, So we did PGTA. And anyway, so the lagger behind her came back genetically normal. 
the good grade embryo, day five blastocyst, came back abnormal. It was missing chromosome six and it was sexless. It was missing the X and Y chromosomes, which means it didn't have a sex. So this embryo, Emma told me, was incompatible with pregnancy. So should we have transferred it? It wouldn't have worked. Wouldn't have got a positive pregnancy test. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously with Willow, it was com- the embryo was compatible with pregnancy, but not compatible with a long, healthy life. So this embryo, should we have transferred it, would have become a failed transfer. And when I think about that, I think, wow, we would have done all of that prep for a transfer, flown back to the UK. So had we not done the PGTA testing, Uh they would have transferred those embryos into me based on their grading. So they would have transferred the better grade embryo first. We would have done all that prep. So I'm I'm doing a natural cycle anyway, because my error came back as receptive on day five. Yeah. But there's still prep that you've got to do, um, which I'll go into in a minute. And then we'd have flown back to the UK. We'd have had to pay for accommodation, travel, all these things. So you're talking thousands by this point. And it wouldn't have, we know now, it would never have even generated a positive pregnancy test. It's bonkers, isn't it? I mean, obviously our situation, everyone's situation is different. But I couldn't imagine ever being in the space where we would not get our embryos genetically tested not after what we've been through yeah. no no um because this is just blowing my mind because again you have a, an embryo that's performing perfectly as uh-huh. it should uh-huh. yet is incompatible with pregnancy i never uh-huh. saw that coming if anything i th- i thought the other embryo uh-huh. would have been the one that that wouldn't yeah. come through um so yeah that just confused me um but obviously so grateful that we did the testing mm-hmm. because we just saved ourselves a whole world of heartache and and bother and time and money yeah um so i just if we were to replay that again i would there'd never be a situation where i wouldn't do the the genetic testing no No. and there was even that fear piece actually around it where i was thinking oh you know especially when we thought we only had one we've only got one Mm. you know uh let's not you know maybe we maybe we don't test it but then we're left with none. But the truth is, we will we would have had none anyway, you know. Um, so it's just an interesting kind of thought process. And everyone's got to make their own decisions what's right for them. That just is what was right for us, given everything that we'd gone through. Um, for us, it helped us to feel like we've eliminated risk. And also where we're doing it abroad, we can't just pop around to the clinic. You know, it's quite an ordeal to arrange time to go home for you know two or three weeks at a time to do this or whatever um so little embryo genetically normal is now in storage in london and then the question came would we be comfortable with donating our abnormal embryo for training really research training within the lab and I checked with Gareth and we agreed yes because I spoke with Emma and I think I'm going to invite Emma back on actually to do an episode all on embryo donation and I don't mean embryo donation to another family to help them build their family I mean donating your unusable embryos back to the lab so that they can practice basically because 
what I've learned is the only way that people like Emma and the Evewell can help people like us who are going through IVF and to be skilled enough to do biopsies on embryos and do the testing that we're looking for is if they have embryos to practice on. Uh Excuse me. So for me, it was a bit weird because there's that like, oh God, you know, is it going to be given to someone else and maybe it'll turn into a baby? But we know that's not (laughs) the case. That's my irrational thought. Um, But obviously I know that's not the case. Um, And once you get over that sort of fear of like, oh, you know, because you become quite territorial over embryos, especially when you never get any. It's my embryo, even though it's not genetically normal, it's still mine. (laughs) Um, I actually thought, no, this is this is the right thing to do. And I'm glad that you were on the same page with me. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, uh, you know, it was a bit of a no-brainer for mm-hmm. me. Um, mm-hmm. I can understand those feelings you had. Yeah. I'll be honest, they're not necessarily the feelings I, I had mm-hmm. because I just looked at it, you know, from a logical perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was more than happy to. Because as you say, the only way that we're in this position where we're able to get help is because mm-hmm. they've been practising and they've been training. So mm-hmm. um, if there's any way we can help with that in any way I'm happy to Mm. and you know and again this is very personal decision for people because depending on the road you've been on it might just feel emotionally too much of a stretch to to do that and I also think having someone explain to you what what it means what they'd be used for what they wouldn't be used for more importantly um helps you to feel confident that by doing that it's actually going to be for what it is and you know so depending on your relationship with your clinic embryologist lab will also determine how you feel about it I suppose but for us we have every confidence in them and in Emma um that you know this is exactly what they're going to be used for they it um so anyway that's what we decided to do but I will get Emma back on actually to talk about that in a bit more detail so she can explain it um, and explain why it's so important because um, quite often she said to me it's misunderstood and then that can leave them sort of without maybe as many embryos as would be helpful to train new staff coming up to get them really good at what they're doing so that when they do eventually use uh, do their work on embryos for actual cases they're skilled enough you know and having a skilled enough embryologist is is absolutely vital and could be the make or break of your IVF cycle as well so yeah so I just thought to share that because it's quite interesting thing that we've kind of learned along the way um and then it was the planning for the frozen embryo transfer so the idea was was that we had our egg retrieval at the beginning of January I then bled at the end of January and then have another cycle and then we're obviously back in Dubai yeah back point. in Dubai and this the schedule was supposed to be that at the end of March we would fly back to the UK just before my next bleed was due and then aim for the frozen embryo transfer the first week of April but there was still even though it was a natural cycle and it wasn't going to be medicated for me there was still some prep that we were going to do and I had lined up certainly that I just want to share with you in case any of you are preparing for a frozen embryo transfer and maybe it's helpful so the first thing I did was get back in touch with our nutritionist and got the frozen embryo transfer plan um, because it is different to a retrieval plan um, 
so that was good so that was Melanie Brown Nutrition who's also been on the podcast so I did that and then they wanted to do the nutritionist wanted to do an advanced vaginal microbiome test now I had the error Emma and Alice tests which does do your microbiome but it doesn't do it is as extensively as this microbiome test that the nutritionist wanted us to do so I ordered that and that came over and the idea was that I was going to do that send it back the results would then go to the nutritionist and then the nutritionist would advise me if there was anything that needed to be done so did I need a short course of antibiotics did you know whatever just to make sure that the environment inside is really optimal for receiving an embryo so I would really recommend if anyone's getting ready to do a transfer or you're doing even if you're doing a fresh cycle with a fresh transfer you can do this microbiome ahead of your egg retrieval and then make sure that everything's prepped so that you're ready for your fresh transfer as well. So this isn't just for frozen embryo transfer. And then the next thing was to have my NK cell inhibition panel done, my TH1, TH2 cytokine bloods done. Now this is to, I don't know loads about immunes, but all I know is that I was going to do this, this was going to be my first kind of exposure to this stuff, but I was going to have that done. And then that panel work would have gone to my clinic and they would have determined if I needed immune therapy to prep me for transfer to make sure that there's nothing within my lining that is saying reject a perfectly healthy embryo. Because the thing is, we only had one genetically normal embryo. So I needed to make absolutely certain that my body wasn't going to be the reason that I rejected a perfectly healthy genetically normal embryo when it's taken us two and a bit years to get get one embryo that's genetically normal so that's what I was going to do so that was it the two blood blood works I was going to have done was NK cell inhibition panel and the TH1 TH2 cytokine bloods and those panels were going to get sent to my clinic which is what I would advise you do and then your clinic will advise you on if you need any immune therapy and if you do what level you need so all of those bloods by the way go to Chicago and the results come back and then the third thing that I was going to do and that's because I know that I have adenomyosis now forgive me if I've said that wrong because I think I always do um there's a doctor in London called Professor Jerkovic and he instead of having to have a laparoscopy so again with my error Emma and Alice tests I didn't have any markers come back for you know, hidden endometriosis or anything like that. But again, with only one genetically normal embryo, I wanted to be certain that, you know, just certain. So he has a special scanning machine in London where he can do scans on you rather than doing a laparoscopy to see if there are any signs of endometriosis or adenomyosis. Now, I know that I've got adenomyosis. I've probably said that wrong a million times, guys, so just bear with um and I also know there's not a lot that they can do but I just wanted to go to someone who specializes in these two particular conditions ahead of the transfer so that he could say actually that is looking a bit you know raised or whatever and we're going to treat it so I just thought I'd share his details with you and then the last thing that I was doing to prepare for frozen embryo transfer was weekly acupuncture 
and I've been having that every single week for I don't know how long now and if you go back there's an episode with Eva where we talk about frequency the benefits why you should have it who maybe it wouldn't benefit on on I think the previous episode so go back and have a listen to that if that's something that interests you um so that is everything that we've got really to share as regards our update on our genetic updates on the embryos and obviously now only having one genetically normal one yeah I think one thing that we spoke about I mean looking back if we could do anything extra a little bit different um because the preps are so intensive um one thing we didn't think is about getting some of my sperm frozen oh yeah I I can't remember if we discussed that on a previous episode because the prep I mean what is it it's kind of three months of quite a strict diet oh yeah which is doable and Mm. I managed to get my DNA fragmentation so much lower yeah through that but it's not an easy process and of course um we just overlooked the fact that I could have had some sperm frozen while it was at its best health. while it was at its best health so that if ever we did go through this again we know that I've got optimal sperm there yeah um so I just thought I'd share that in case anyone else may be in that situation or may not think about that it might be something worth doing yeah that's that's a good point I totally forgotten about that but it's something we discussed because I don't know the preps it's full on isn't it it is full on I mean (laughs) you know it's not I mean it's it's doable it's worth it (laughs) you can't put a price on it but it's not it's not the easiest thing in the world it's not the most fun thing in the world is it and you don't know how your body's going to react you know and it may be these things are weird right I might do the same prep again and it might react differently because something Mm. something's out of whack or something is is something I've not realized isn't quite the same so Mm. on that occasion where we got my DNA frag tested again and we knew point blank that it reduced so much to such an optimal level then it would have made sense to just get some sperm frozen just in case I still would have done the prep as moral support you know But at least we know that, you know, I've got some you know, healthy, batch. healthy, healthy batch of sperm bank there. Yeah. Um, I don't think there was anything. Else. I mean, looking back, can you think of anything else that we may have done differently this time? Or I mean, maybe not tried to do IVF during a pandemic, but I mean, that's beyond <laughs> our control. Um, I mean, we've done our whole fertility journey through a pandemic, but I have to say it does make it harder because we had to really isolate didn't we during our cycle and it makes it oh, it just I don't adds know. another whole layer of stress it right? does, i mean yeah. you can't really go out you can't socialize with people you know yeah we live abroad anyway so when we go home it's nice to be able to see people we yeah. couldn't do that i mean thankfully we stayed at my sister's place which was amazing mm. um but it's still a lot isn't it and i think when you're doing ivf like if if you've got the social freedom, you know, if the pandemic wasn't happening, if you've got the social freedom to pop out and see a friend and it just breaks it up a little, doesn't it? Go to the gym, but we mm. couldn't do any of that no. because we couldn't risk catching COVID whilst we were mid-cycle and having the whole cycle cancelled. Yeah. After all that prep, after we just couldn't. It was just too much. of It was like gambling, you know. Um, but it, you know, even just going to the supermarket, you're thinking, oh God, you know, like wash your hands because you just think I can't afford to catch this right now, (laughs) you know? So it does add a whole other layer of stress to everything, which, um, you could definitely do without, but that thing about the sperm was a really good shout and I'd totally forgotten about that. Um, and I think, cause you obviously wouldn't be able to give the sample the same day. So you'd probably give it 
well, you did your retest on the DNA frag two days before we did the retrieval. Mm -hmm. So maybe you'd do it two days before that. So you'd do four days before the retrieval, put in a sample of sperm to be frozen. Yeah, I mean, I don't know exactly when it would, when I'd need to do it, but it's just one yeah. thing that I suddenly thought of. Yeah. Um, but you wouldn't be able to do them on the same day, I mean, because it's got to be like 24 hours, right? Yeah. Um, but then at least you know you're kind of getting it from the same batch. We know that your sperm DNA frag's gone down to nearly 4% from nearly 40, which I is just amazing. I don't know what it's up now. I've no. A few coffees since. <laughs> but... um, and that's the thing with sperm DNA fragmentation, guys, is it's a snapshot in time. So really, um, like the prep that Gareth did... And the fact that it reflected so much and, you know, the icing that you were doing twice a day and all of which I think was also huge. I don't think it was just diet um, because you do have a varicocele and it's a heat thing as well, as, ver as well as environmental and nutritional. But um, I just think, uh, yeah, it's a snapshot in time. So, of course, then when we go back to normal living, if we were to retest you today, there's no way it's going to be 4%, right? But at that moment, at that time, that's what it was. And that's, you know, probably helped us get the results that we've got. So, yeah, that's it. I don't think it's super, super expensive to freeze sperm. I don't think so. A few hundred pounds, um, perhaps. But, I mean, but probably well worth it, you know. Well, well worth it when you think about the 12 weeks prep. Just the cost of supplements alone yeah. over the 12 weeks for you. The different food that you've got to eat, everything. Um, you know, it probably is a fraction of the cost of freezing a vial of sperm so okay. yeah i mean that's definitely something i wish i had done we had done but it's too late now <laughs> if you are if you are gonna go through another round it's just one less thing to stress about because that's basically yeah. i mean there's so many things that cause stress yes during a prep so it's just one less thing that's off your mind which yeah. helps yeah so i think that's everything for this episode and we're gonna um do the next episode now where we will talk about our personal update in our journey with how you know we've had the biggest plot twist we could we could ever you know can't even dream of thinking it was beyond our dreams so um we're going to come back and talk about that in the next episode so i hope that the bits that we were going to do and have researched and looked into that we've shared with you in this episode will help you if you're preparing for a transfer and as always you know if there's anything that you want to ask then um just drop me a dm and we'll answer it in one of the podcasts thank you so much for listening to this week's episode and if this podcast is bringing you any value or helping you in any way what would be really um, lovely and what we would really appreciate is if you could hop over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a little review and if you have liked it give us five stars because this is the thing that will help other people find our podcast too and that's how podcasts get seen so um, it would cost nothing in terms of money and just a few seconds of your time but would really mean so much to us so thanks for listening and we'll be back next time